Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Rotor World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Kyle Dvorak and Lawrence Jackson. We're going to get into Week Nine's toughest rankings. Also, going to break down Monday's latest shocking Monday Night Football game: the Cleveland Browns destroying the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're recording this trade deadline Tuesday. By the time you hear this, there's going to be more moves we do not talk about in the show, but we're going to talk about T.J. Hawkins, Hawkinson's rather shock trade to the Minnesota Vikings. For a second-round pick, as Kyle Dvorak jumps in and corrects me, that it wasn't just TJ Hawkinson. They also got back a fourth-rounder. There's more picks involved. It's a, it's a nightmare to look at. they got to clean this up. Yeah, they, so t- are you looking at it, Kyle? Let's just start with the trade. Uh, yeah, what, that is, what is uh, the exact trade compensation for TJ Hawkinson? That is uh, TJ Hawkinson, a 2023 fourth-round pick, a 2024 conditional fourth. And I don't know what those conditions are. We probably won't find that out for a while for a 2023 second and a 2024 third. So basically they traded up a four to a two and a four to a three to get or traded down from the Vikings perspective to get Hawkinson. I mean, and we'll just stick with you then. We were kind of talking this right before the show. I mean, so you and I were debating like if a second round, like if this is really like that much to give up for TJ Hawkinson, but also like you can get like shocking value sometimes for a second rounder and that, TJ Hawkinson just feels like kind of light value for us to be trading a second round pick for. And I mean, so Lawrence, we read just before we came on the show, Irv Smith's out eight to 10 weeks, but like, I feel like losing Irv Smith eight to 10 weeks, he has what, like, like 30 career catches. I don't feel like that's like a batten down the hatches <laughs> kind of injury. We're like, we, we got to replace Irv Smith with someone off the roster. You're literally immediately like call up the first GM you can find that I can send the second round pick to for a tight end. And We'll, we'll get to you in a second, Lawrence. But I mean, Kyle, this you, we all feel kind of underwhelmed by this, don't we? Like in terms of like, uh, like I, I just don't, I don't, I don't really understand the Vikings' desperation to make this move. Yeah, it's weird. It's it, I, I totally agree that it's not like Irv Smith was the thing holding this whole operation together. Yeah, <laughs> it's having a good quarterback, an elite receiver, one a solid receiver too, and an offensive coach or an offensive minded coach who is helping bring that stuff all together in a really talented fashion. Irv Smith wasn't even playing like half the snaps. Like he was like a rotational player who was a decent pass catching option, but like Johnny Munt scored the touchdown for the tight ends last week. So I agree that like, I I think we disagree a little bit on how much value they gave up for him, but we can totally agree on the fact that like 
why are you going out and making this move? This isn't going to drastically change the complexion of your offense. It's really just like making a rash decision based on this injury. Hawkinson is a fine player, but he's not like an elite playmaker. He's not going to add too much when Justin Jefferson's already hogging the ball as much as he is in a good way. It's fine. I get why they did it. I just don't get why they made such a, a impulse feeling decision. And they already have like the rim dunking tight tight end in the red zone and Adam Thielen, you know, obviously we joke about him being like a tight end. He's not a tight end, but he plays that role in the red zone. Like if you're acquiring TJ Hawkinson to be like a massive target in the red zone, I just feel like you already have that player. And Lawrence, I mean, we haven't actually really allowed you to say anything yet. Do you agree with us? Maybe you think this is the greatest trade ever. I, I kind of don't. I don't even really want to say anything about this trade. <laughs> like, okay, it's cool. Like, you're still, we're going to rank them the same as we're going to rank them any week, probably. You know what I'm saying? Um, the passing volume on the offense will go a little bit lower because we know the Lions throw the ball. But other than that, y'all pretty much hit it on the head. It's like he a cool little player, not nothing crazy or nothing. That's why, like, like, Twitter not going off right now. They going off more so about Steve Nash and the Nets parting ways. That's the talk right now <laughs> until we get a bigger trade, maybe a little Kareem Hunt, maybe a little Elijah Moore. But this is just like, uh, I'm going to go back to sleep now. And like, just Kyle, so, so Lawrence kind of got at it there from like a fantasy perspective, like a fan perspective. Like this is, I'm regurgitating a tweet I had, but like if you polled NFL fans on Tuesday morning and said, uh, your team, would you approve of your team trading a second round pick for TJ Hawkinson today? I feel like most would not be in favor. And no. uh, I mean, for all we know, I mean, what, what's TJ Hawkinson's reputation as a blocker right now? Do any of us know this? Probably a bad question to be asking, but if you don't know it, that's your answer. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's a good point. Uh, he's never been considered like a bad blocker. I know he's not. Yeah, a nah, he, like, again, he's a, he's a good tight end. He's, He's on the better half of the tight ends, you know. Uh, there you go. I mean, he had a 155-yard game this season. That's pretty good. I, I'm not going to say the Vikings can't use him. They definitely can use him, especially with Irv Smith. He'll be out for a very long while. Uh, they definitely could use him. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be business as usual for that team. So Hawkinson kind of, because of the Iowa connection, he kind of did have like a George Kittle reputation entering the league, like the tight end who can have pop-up games, which he has had a few 150-yard games in his career. He's like an all-around tight end who can block well. I did so his current PFF uh, blocking grade, pass blocking grade amongst tight ends is 44th, um, much higher, lower than I was expecting. He's better against in the running games, top 20 in the run game. Um, but it's another thought. This just strikes me a lot. It's hard not to project and like connect dots that aren't there. But Kevin O'Connell and their front office going out and do this just reminds me a lot of like those passion, like Sean McVay moves, like we're trading for Brandon Cooks, we're trading for Sammy Watkins. Like, uh, sure, it's not a huge need for our team, but we're going to go do it anyway. And then they always regret it after like one year. Uh, I I just, I can see like a similar ending here. That's like a decent comp. I think this one, I mean, I think this one will work out a little better than like when you think about some of those that are just been kind of brutal. But uh, cause I mean, Hawkinson is a pretty good receiver as a tight end. And I will say Adam Thielen, I called him a pretty good number two, but like he's not threatening a hundred yards. I think he only has two touchdowns this year. So he's not even doing like 
the good part of his tight end base job now. Yeah, he I is mean, fading. He's fading pretty bad, actually. Yeah, I think if we had 2019 or whatever Adam Thielen, this really wouldn't make a lot of sense. But with how 32 years old Adam Thielen looks, he's looking all, I assume he's 32 years old. That sounds about right. With how yeah, 30, he is 32. Old, I think is he is that, literally is right? 32. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with how much of his age he is looking, maybe Hawkinson, who I believe is top 10 in PFF receiving grade, top 10 yards per route run among tight ends. Maybe there is some value to having him basically as just a massive second receiver, someone who, when Justin Jefferson gets shut down, which isn't often, but teams are giving him double coverage, one of the highest rates among receivers. I mean, I see why they did it. I, like all of us said, like Hawkinson is just not the most inspiring tight end. He's good at a lot of things, and I don't know if he's great at anything, really. I guess we're, we've done the uncharitable view, kind of. The charitable view would be these are all lottery tickets, Teams in the NFL far too infrequently trade these lottery tickets for already proven talent. TJ Hawkinson is at least a proven talent. He is going to a much better team. And maybe the end of the season, I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, I would maybe typically hold on to my second round pick, but TJ Hawkinson probably has a better chance of helping his team for the next three or four years than whatever random uh, player we would have gotten in the second round. He will be on his fifth year team option, which will be expensive in 2023 but real quick to put a bow in this conversation clearly tj hawkinson still a tight end one um ahead of gerald everett lawrence i know i'm putting you like really on the spot <laughs> yeah I, i'll go uh oh i forgot mike williams is out now yeah mm. and keenan allen is still I, I, i'll go yeah i'll go gerald everett um the the chargers throw the ball 50 times a game it might be for 275 yards, but they throwing the football. <laughs> if they go throw that football, I'll take Gerald Everett. They're, both of them, uh, where is it, six, seven tight end range? Yeah, yeah, around like there. That. Kyle, going forward, Gerald Everett or TJ Hawkinson? I'll go Hawkinson. I think he has a higher ceiling. Is probably a more talented player who, like, I, you know, we say he doesn't do a lot great, but like, Probably not a lot of players on the Lions circa 2017 or 18, whenever they drafted him to 2022, have done a lot of great things, unsurprisingly. And this year, he at least has one blow up game where we saw when they had to lean on him, they did so with great success. So I think probably the ceiling is higher for Hawkinson and an offense that like somehow I, the Vikings offense, I guess we have to call it better than the Chargers. Chargers just look completely lost and they're not getting any healthier. So I'll go Hawkinson. Real quick, going forward, he's on by this week. David and Joku or TJ Hawkinson, Lawrence Jackson. Joku. Kyle. Yeah, as long as he's healthy in Joku. Speaking of David and Joku and the Cleveland Browns, they shocked the Cincinnati Bengals in Monday Night Football 32 to 13. The Bengals were scoreless until the 14 minute mark of the fourth quarter. I'll just start with the broad strokes question. How are we feeling about the Bengals offense without Jamar Chase? I may or may not have retweeted a tweet where someone compared Joe Burrow to Derek Carr without Jamar Chase. I actually don't agree with that at all. Um, I, I, I saw that, too. Who? I saw that, too. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It, it was uh, funny, you yeah, know. It was, it was only funny. It's not even remotely accurate. But just how do we feel about the Bengals' offense without Jamar Chase? Is it going to be kind of an even bigger come down than we were expecting? Of course, it's a come down when you lose one of the top three weapons in the NFL. But are they, are they, are they going to be able to survive two or three games without Jamar Chase? And still be in the thick of like the say the AFC North race. They they should be able to do that. Uh, Joe Burrow played a lot of football without Jamar Chase in his rookie year before he was hurt. 
uh, same him and T Higgins came out the same year and he had some success as a rookie. I would imagine he'd be able to do the same thing. Now, I just simply think that last night the Browns had their number and we, me, Kyle and Von Darzell talked about it last night and we were skeptical of that three and a half point spread. Uh, it made the game seem like it closer to what it was. Well, little do we know it wasn't close at all, but for the team that we thought was going to lose, they won the game. So I think the Bengals will be okay. I think they have enough. They really going to have to actually, they'll have to lean into the passing game more. It seems because Joe Mixon is consistently not getting uh, good gains on the ground. You but, can call uh, him Dusted Lawrence. <laughs> I ain't going to say that because he's still 25. And it's not until 26 when <laughs> we think that running backs are old men. So, um, yeah, man, uh, it, it'll be uh, it, it'll be tough with Jamar Chase, obviously, because Joe Burrow has gotten used to that. But it, if, it's, if Joe Burrow, that dude, he got to make do. It's true. Lawrence, by the way, I have shocking information. Joe Mixon is 26. I just Ooh, looked it up. Well, no, that, that's everybody else's age for old man status. <laughs> you know, we still got Derrick Henry out here, but the way Joe Mixon looking, we might have to, yeah, we might have to make that official. <laughs> yeah, Kyle is, so Joe Mixon, he's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. We know that's a very context-dependent stat. We know the yes. Bengals invested all these resources in their offensive line and still not playing well, but we also know Joe Burrow has been lighting it up. That should invite soft defensive fronts for Joe Mixon, but he's only averaged more than 3.4 yards per carry twice in individual games. So this isn't like he's been like booming or busting. He's just been consistently, you know, kind of in like that Zeke zone, like 18 carries for 56 yards. Only has two touchdowns. Can we still call him an RB1? Going, he's the six teams on by this week, so he's going to be an RB1 this week still. But can we really still call Joe Mixon an RB1 right now, Kyle? Yeah, I, I would say you definitely can. When you look at his usage, it's still elite. He'll probably, because we didn't have Austin Eckler play this week, probably end up, when you look back at it, be the number one running back in expected fantasy points through eight games because Eckler only has seven. Derrick Henry also had a bye, so some of the big contenders have missed a game. So he gets by on a, on a per-game basis, maybe drops two or three. But we saw last week. Even Kyle, I'll just say not- I expect... My running backs to score actual fantasy points. Is my expected fantasy points? Um, right, sorry. <laughs> we are <laughs> sorry. We are at dangerous levels with like him, Deontay Johnson. Yards yards per target isn't sticky. Deontay Johnson will get back to get back to healthy. <laughs> but the good news is that at least Joe Mixon, uh, like he has very he has at least multiple outs to scoring, right? He he could, although it seems a little dubious, have a good rushing day. He still has a handful of decent rushing days on his ledger this year. But most importantly, he's got games of nine, six, seven, and nine targets. Even if he isn't playing much on third downs, they've made it a priority to get him the ball through the air. So as long as you're not playing in a standard league, he's getting a lot of points from the receiving value. And if you're playing in a standard league, he has three touchdowns. I think one of them is receiving. So he has two on the ground, but he has three total. And those all have come in the past five weeks. So he plays for a good offense. He gets the ball a ton. He gets the ball through the air a ton. I think we're kind of fading the inefficiency. And even if he is inefficient, like these players who get the ball a ton, like Zeke has multiple like RB1 seasons in which he averages 3.8 yards a carry because he catches a lot of passes. He gets in the end zone sometimes. And it might be a little uglier than we're used to from Joe Mixon. But I still think like even if he doesn't get any more efficient, he's an RB1. And I think we'll see some positive touchdown regression with Joe Mixon too. 
Uh, Lawrence, a player I, – I feel like you – this is the kind of player you have respect for. Donovan Peoples-Jones, you kind of like to find, I feel like, some of like the gems, like the hidden gems. And it's getting harder. Donovan Peoples-Jones is 70 yards in three straight games, four of his past five. Like, it's really taking command of that number two receiver role in Cleveland. I, I don't even know. Like, I don't really have a question. I just feel like we never talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones, even though he's appearing to be quite good at football. And with six yeah. teams on by this week, maybe he actually is a wide receiver three. What are our thoughts on Donovan Peoples-Jones? Yeah, uh, another guy uh, guy that was on uh, our pregame show last night, Howard Bender, took the over on Donovan Peoples-Jones, 43 and a half yards. Howard's a smart and, guy. Yeah, yeah, good, good bet he had there. And we was just talking about how, you know, prior to last night, he had had over 70 yards in three of the past four games. Well, he just asked to that list now, 81 yards. He caught the – he had the long gain in the first quarter, so he was already he was ready to go. The Cleveland offense is is proving that it could be functional. Now, I mean, just look at the last game against the Ravens. Jacoby Brissett was pushing the ball downfield, and as long as you're doing that, and and Donovan Peoples Jones is the solidified number two, which he is now. We we like it's clear as day now. We had a question about that coming into the season, but now that we know that. I think he's somebody you could depend on kind of like, you know, I, I would almost say you could, you know, put him in that same range as, as, as uh, Gabe Davis. I can't remember if Kyle or Vaughn said that last night, but I thought that was a solid comparison. What What's helping Gabe Davis is the attachment to the elite offense, but what's helping Donovan People jones is the attachment to this newfound usage that he's getting and he's making the most of it. Yeah, DPJ, I think I think he can force his way kind of at least into like uh, the Adam Thielen part of the board, right, Kyle? Is that sound? not that hard to do? No, it's not. But uh, I know it's kind of almost damning with faint praise. Uh, they're on bye this week, the Browns. I wish they weren't, so I could get into a really like hot debate here about where to rank DPJ. So I was scrolling down my rankings. I was scrolling down my initial rankings. Like, wow, I'm. Still not respecting DPJ. I was pretty sure I was going to have him a lot higher than this, and it's because he's not. Yeah, Inter- interesting stat about him, real quick. He has three straight games of, in in three straight games, he has a thirty-seven yard reception. Thirty-seven, so- not at least thirty, exactly thirty-seven yards. I cannot believe you took that stat for me because I was about to say that. I was about to say, <laughs> Kyle, you want to hear a sticky stat? <laughs> 37 yard catch every game um, great minds think alike no seriously uh, uh lawrence maybe we're boomering um we're not getting boomer fight are we um because i was looking through the game logs like that's pretty weird um so yeah you heard it here first uh 37 yard catch for dpj when they come up by and week 10 and my only takeaway for the Bengals is that yeah i agree with you lawrence basically i'm not making any sweeping takeaways for the Bengals. they found out kind of late in the week one of the most important players is going to be out. It was on the road. It was Monday Night Football. Um, I mean, should have played better. Uh, there's no, yeah, no doubt they, about they, that. They have a game next week at home versus the Panthers. You got to get right that game. You did that exactly. Like that's where we're, we're really going to find out like, where they're at because you're allowed one bad game uh, with or without Jamar Chase. It was just a bad game. I didn't see anything that struck me as like a fatal flaw. Although Joe Burrow was getting hit quite a lot. Yeah, I, to me, I actually am a little concerned. Not to keep us on this topic too long, but like 
What are the Bengals famous for? They make a lot of big mistakes and they make up for it with a lot of big plays. Who is making a lot of big plays on this team? Jamar Chase. And we've already seen that regress this year with the team making far fewer big plays, but Joe Burrow still leading the NFL in yards lost because of sacks. He is on pace to crush his sack yardage and his sack total from last year. So if they're still making the mistakes at maybe even a higher clip, but they lose one of these big elements of playmaking ability, they're saving grace. Like, I don't know. I actually am concerned, but as Lauren said, they do get not only Carolina this coming week, then Pittsburgh, then Tennessee. Even when Ryan Tannehill's back for that game, Tennessee, not a particularly good team. So really, that's what's going to get them through the Jamar Chase absence is getting to play Kenny Pickett, Ryan Tannehill, and P.J. Walker. Well, say say his name. Say P.J. Walker's name. We're going to talk about him a little later and how he's kind of climbing up the fantasy rankings. But we're going to start at running back. We already talked about Joe Mixon. Lawrence, let's ask you the question I ask every week. Who are you having trouble ranking at running back this week, a week in which we are legally obligated to mention there are six teams on by? Yeah, so um, I'm definitely uh, – my trouble with Khalil Herbert is not if I'm going to rank him ahead of David Montgomery. It's how far – how much I'm going to rank him ahead of David Montgomery – because now, now the Bears are finally starting to, they're finally starting to understand. They finally starting to get it. You know, the Bears offenses look pretty good the past two games. And Khalil Herbert has scored touchdowns in both of them. Also in those games, he's outgained David Montgomery despite uh, having less touches. So, you know, Khalil Herbert is running back 20 on the season right now. David Montgomery, 32. Now, David Montgomery did miss the one game, but still, he's out-touched Khalil Herbert, and he's still, you know, he's still behind him in a PPR scoring. So my, the question I'm having for myself is, how, like, I, I feel like Khalil Herbert is a, a flex play at this point. Now, with all of the buys, how high do I actually rank this young man? It's a really, really tough question. Like you said, Khalil Herbert, he's outgained. David Montgomery, two of the past three weeks. The third week, they tied. One of those weeks is because it was one big run from Khalil Herbert. Um, but I mean, the, the, the production is speaking for itself. But it's So David Montgomery still played 70% of the snaps in week eight. Khalil Herbert only played 28% of the snaps. If uh, football outsiders would be to believe, it seems shockingly low. Wow. Um, but basically getting the ball then like every time he was in the game and then just producing – I definitely think they're both now flexes because the Bears are running 40 to 45 times a game. Like the Bears have found their formula. And, you know, even when they're down three scores to the Cowboys, they keep running. And this is the first week, too, Lawrence. I've made the move. I have Khalil Herbert ahead of David Montgomery. But I definitely think Montgomery can keep like Zeking and having like 15, 16 carries, <laughs> 60, 70 yards. Yeah, he would do that. I mean, Kyle, are you three for three on saying your Herbert's going to be ahead of Montgomery this week or are you ex- exercising a little more caution, maybe? Yeah, well, the snaps thing is what has me concerned. And the snaps thing is specifically because David Montgomery ran 21 routes and Khalil Herbert ran three, which is so weird. Khalil Herbert looks like the prototypical would be great in the passing game. And I think he is, but they don't. I mean, David Montgomery is also actually a pretty good pass catcher and a good blocker as well. And they're using him clearly as their passing downs back. And as much as they want to run the football, they're often put in passing down situations. So. I think because of that, if we're projecting them to probably split the backfield, I think it was like 16-14, 16-15 carry split last week. If you're going to give almost every single route out of the backfield to David Montgomery on an offense that won't be producing a lot of touchdowns, I'm going to take the guy with more PPR value, but I have to think I'll have them ranked like 
22-25 or 23-24. And to their rushing, I I saw this two weeks ago and I I clicked the wrong game and I thought I was going to get to write it up for 32 stats this week. They ran 21 consecutive times in the fourth quarter, did not throw a pass versus the Patriots, completely gave up. Unreal. Oh, man. But, you know, they did win that game, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> so, but still. Oh, my uh, God. I can't believe. Oh, that was that game. Yeah. That was man. the game where they humiliated the I was thinking, I was, well, I got it confused with Dallas, in which they got murdered. Because yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah, I know. It would have been a really stunning point. reveal if they no. had lost. But still, still to, the, to that fact, they went an entire quarter without even attempting one pass. Well, and just, and just speaking, they, they, it wasn't that extreme against the Cowboys, but. And they were down three scores almost this entire count. They were down twenty-eight to seven at one they, point. They they got to a point where it was twenty-eight to twenty-three, and it, David Montgomery fumbled the ball, and then it was oh, it was that you you ain't you're already not stopping them. They're very Falcons in the way that obviously if they get up to a lead, twenty-one carries in the fourth quarter. That's how the Falcons want to play. But if you get in a deficit. You give up and you run the football. So there's almost no scenario. We kind of saw it last week with the Falcons, but the Falcons ran the ball more than they passed the ball in a game that was overtime, 30-something and 30-something. And that's how the Bears are. If it's close or they have a lead, they love to run the football. But if it's more than like eight points, they're like, well, we simply cannot put eight points on the board. We must run the football. So no matter what the situation is, like they're, they want to desperately run the football. So yeah, even though the 21 straight rushes happened in a win, like you're absolutely yeah, correct. They are the Falcon. Like it, your, your breakdown of the situation is absolutely correct. And I, especially with six teams to buy, they're both going to be in the top 24 this week. I, Kyle does make an interesting. Maybe if, with the snap, Herbert played over 40% of the snaps in week seven, but it was still almost 60 for David Montgomery. So it's just a decisive. Who do they play this week? Snaps advantage. And maybe things will normalize a bit um, in the Bears' backfield. For week nine, Kyle, the Chicago Bears are playing the Miami football Dolphins in Chicago. Ooh. Ooh, Dolphins yeah. have shown a strong ability to put up points. They have, but they've also shown a strong ability to kind of play up and down to their opponents. It, it, it'll, it'll. I could see this game being similar to the one they that they just played against the Lions. To be completely honest, yeah, and I, I, this is gonna be a weird game. Producer Adam points out the Dolphins are only five point favorites. Not too bad if you're a road team. Yeah, that feels. I don't know. That still feels like only to me. Yeah, I mean, his total is only forty four. And just the Dolphins, I don't know, they're a weird team. They're just a really weird team. I, I guess Tua was hurt for some of those really weird games. Mm-hmm. But they kind of But he didn't, he didn't even play those games. Yeah. He played yeah, he played the Ravens game. He played the Bills game. Yes. Uh, but like man, he played the Lions game. So they're just kind of a weird team. Uh, they they struggling on defense. They are. And Kyle, who are you struggling to rank at running back? Uh, Deonta, Deonta Foreman, because, Lawrence, there's something going on. Claypool to the Bears. What? Ew, yucky. <laughs> Claypool <laughs> to the Bears. <laughs> there we go. That's your God. <laughs> so, wait, I don't now I don't understand because, like, they traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, but they traded – I don't even know what's going on, man. I would well, imagine – well, I would imagine Robert Quinn probably had to be coming up on a contract year just because of how old he is. Like he's been in the league enough where he's probably and contract year. Definitely is. And Rokon was for sure. He was uh, like he didn't want to play until he got a new contract. He ultimately did end up playing this year. Whereas Claypool probably still has one weird, year. Left. It's a little bit of a weird deal. So they have no receiving talent, as we know, but we know they have to add some controllable assets 
at receiver, but Claypool does only have one and a half years remaining on his deal, including this I think year. the thing is with his lack of production in the past years, even if he goes out and play somehow plays well, which like this team is not designed to make receivers play well, but if he does, like he steps in as like almost the number one receiver, he's not going to go out and command this massive contract that's like disproportionate to his production. Whereas like Robert Quinn had like 18 sacks a year ago and Roquan Smith is considered one of the league better like off-ball linebackers. I, mean, so. I think you still would have to pay, like, if you're going to try to give Chase Claypool an extension this offseason, I mean, I think it would still be like at least 10 to $12 million a year, man. In a league where Christian Kirk's getting 16, 17 million, um, I mean, it's, it's going to depend Do you on think he would? Play. I think this is going, do you think he'd make more per year than MVS? Um, yeah, I don't, I yeah, he don't, I do. it's close though. Like, that's, that's about 10 million a year. I think, I think he's like 330 or 331. He's, yeah, Lawrence point, he's only 24 years old. You know, no, I think they're gonna see how it works. I think they want to see what this is about Justin Fields now. I think they want to see if he's gonna be that dude, see what he does with Claypool, and then they go from there. That's what it looks like. Just off also, that's a really good now. point that like. You may not even care what the contract situation is like for Claypool, what it does for the team's long-term outlook. If getting Claypool can help you find out what Justin Fields is before you commit to him for another year, like you save, especially as a as a whole front office that is now taking over and a coaching staff that's taking over, you want to be able to decide, are we rolling with Justin Fields? Do we think he's the future? Or are we going to hit the reset button quickly in our tenure with the team? Because you don't get many resets if you're a new front office. No. Maybe you get like... If you're really fortunate, you get two rookie quarterbacks, right? Call Justin Fields their one because he's he's two years in and the first year was a joke. You get one more shot probably. So you want to know if you need to take that shot this year. And even if Claypool, you're, you're forced to pay him $15 million a year, right? He has a good end of the season. You're like, ah, let's put him under contract. You just need to make decisions now. And this could help you get there. And it's not like there are a ton of like great receivers on the market. It would have been him or Elijah Moore or something like that. So it probably just helps for the team to make smart decisions as soon as possible. So what you're saying, Kyle, is that you can maybe better evaluate quarterback play if it's Chase Claypool and not Dante Pettis or Equiminius St. Brown. That's kind of what you're saying. I would imagine so. I mean, maybe a little bit. What about the Steelers receivers now? Mm. I know. It's true. This this kind of helps us several things. So first off, too, it is almost like so the Bears were in full-on sell mode. I, I think you guys are correct, though. They, like, But it's almost like Justin Fields, like, you know the meme, like, so, like so-and-so does something this – does this thing once it's kind of like Justin Fields has a good game once and the bears are all something, man, maybe we should get this guy some weapons. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. What it, well, well, it took him long enough to try to do something of all of the first round quarterbacks from last season. He easily uh, had the least to work with. Uh, and I'm seeing now that it's a second round pick for chase Claypool. Wow. Um, but now when you, when you look at it today and you look at the recent play, from that draft class, which one of them dudes is better than Fields right now? You could make the argument for Trevor Lawrence, but the other ones, it ain't even close. No, and you can barely even make it for Lawrence at this point. And I'm just loving that the, the narrative is still in play that we can bury the Panthers forever for not taking Justin Fields. So like yet another reason why I want Justin Fields to be good. Maybe the Falcons too. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Spur, heat of the moment, rest of season, Darnell Mooney or Chase Claypool, Kyle Dvorak, then we'll go to Lawrence. Mooney. Mooney. I think so, too. I mean, this should help Darnell Mooney, too. And yeah. A guy who can operate underneath, who can get free deep. Chase Claypool, again, will finally actually command some defensive attention deep where 
I don't think defenses were too concerned about ESB or Dante Pettis or uh, or like who was I? Byron, Byron Pringle, Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry got touchdown. Yeah, Pringle was on <laughs> IR I think for a while after the first week, and Nikhil Harry started on IR or maybe it was NFI list, uh, pop list or something. But like, who cares? Those guys are not providing anything for this team. Um, so this, this is a pretty interesting trade. Another two. Would you rather give him a second round pick for Chase Claypool or TJ Hawkinson, Lawrence Jackson? Claypool. Me too. Still, I mean, as frustrating as Chase Claypool's career has been, yeah, he's, you, he's, he still feels projectable to me. You see the talent yeah. difference. He right still there. feels projectable to me. Whereas TJ Hawkinson, he's settled into a fine equilibrium, but I feel like we've seen like TJ Hawkinson's ceiling. A good NFL player, but I feel like we've seen his ceiling. We have a little more running backs to talk about, but we'll be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. It's a weekend of must-watch events on NBC and Peacock. It all begins at the Horses and the Breeders' Cup Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by Tigers. The Clemson Tigers taking on Notre Dame football in South Bend, Indiana, and capped off with Saturday Night Live. The action continues Sunday with the NASCAR Cup Series Championship at 3 p.m. Eastern and wraps up with the Tennessee Titans battling the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. It's starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. All of it on NBC and Peacock. And don't forget, download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and so much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today. Um, Kyle, I'll start. Do you remember which quarterback or running back, excuse me, you're having trouble ranking this week, Kyle? This can sometimes be a challenge for you. I wrote it in chat this time, so I wouldn't <laughs> forget. We've moved past the amnesia, amnesia stage of first eight weeks of the season. Deonta Foreman, and this will be a theme. I believe, are we going to talk about every one of their top skill position players other than tight ends? They don't have any tight ends. Note. I think we are talking P.J. Walker, D.J. Moore, Deonta Foreman. It's Panther season. There's a very obvious reason for it, and it's the reason I will be concerned with P.J. Walker and not as much the talent of Deonta Foreman is that, like, how sustainable do we think them being a good football team in the past two weeks is? They really got home, I mean, 21 points, but it was a hyper-efficient game, which they weren't forced to press. Bucks, I, Bucks get shut out in that game. I don't know. It was terrible. Uh, it was close. It was, I believe, 21 to 3 or 8 or something. Yeah, it was something really weird. Three. I think it was 21-3. So a game where they were efficient and just didn't have to push the ball. They probably could have put up more points if they really wanted to. And then, although uh, a loss, but a really high-scoring, exciting game against, this time, a much worse defense in the Falcons. How sustainable is two games of P.J. Walker versus, I want I will say, like a career of him being a poor backup option, but that's three starts, maybe some spot-like second-half appearances. So the sample size was so small early that I don't know how much we weigh that against the two games that is also a small sample of recently. I think there's obviously somewhere in the middle. He's probably 
I mean, based on these past two games, he's certainly not like the worst starting quarterback in the NFL among the 32 options we have. So if Deontay Foreman is going to get, which he did, nearly every single touch, I believe he led the NFL in carries inside the five last week. If he's going to be basically a three-down back on an offense that is just palatable, they don't have to be great. But if P.J. Walker gets them to top 24 status, that's not super high, but it's far better than I projected P.J. Walker to get them. Like Deontay Foreman is going to be a top 15 back. Yeah, got him to the RB17 so far this week. Yeah, it depends on Shuba Hubbard's health. I don't know. If, have we seen an update on that recently, Kyle? I have not. No. He didn't seem like particularly far away from playing in week eight. We had a blurb um, on Monday afternoon that Hubbard believes he can return at week nine. I mean, far from certain. But I think it was it was a bad, bad week for Chuba Hubbard because I think the Panthers kind of all along wanted Deontay Foreman to be the guy after Chuba kind of really wore down as a rookie last year. And then they – Deontay went out and showed he can be that guy, basically. And we and like you said, lots of like receiving involvement too, right? How many targets did he have? Am I making that up? I had two or three catches. All right. Well, yeah, so that may be overstated on lots of receiving involvement. But he handled 18 carries back-to-back weeks, I believe. Uh, just producing on the ground. Three tutties. We know that's sticky, right? <laughs> no. Oh, no. He had, a- he had two catches uh, two weeks ago. Just one, just one target last week. So not a ton Yikes. of receiver involvement. No, um, he's not like he's, he's not his calling card. Pass catcher, like <laughs> he was like the all-time runs for like AJ Dillon was this kind of archetype too. Runs for 170 yards in a college game, zero catches, never targeted once. Yeah, I immediately knew I had made a grave mistake when I claimed he had a lot of receiving involvement. I was like, yeah, that does not sound right. Actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I sort of know it's not true yeah. in my heart. I can tell you. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, go with it. Not true. Yeah, we're gonna go with it. If Chuba plays, are we still? Are we gonna treat Deontay as an RB two this week? Let's say that. I would say. <laughs> if you're if you have Deontay Foreman on your roster and he's done what he's done for you the past two weeks you have to treat him like that he's he's literally shut like he the past two weeks he's an RB1 production wise we don't obviously we don't feel like that could be sustained and obviously Trooper Hubbard will get some run but um hey I throw him in there RB2 feel good about it even you know even against the uh, Bengals uh, coming up. And Kyle, you failed to mention P.J. Walker's XFL accolades. Um, you, you you talked about his two games. You you, you got to throw in the XFL, too, because that clearly matters. Don't get me started. facing the Cincinnati Bengals. He was, a killer. He was a killer Kyle slipping that he didn't mention it. Maybe he's saving it for the official P.J. Walker segment that we should maybe just do right now. But uh, uh, my final thought on Foreman, so I have the RB17 without Hubbard. Even if Hubbard plays this week, I'm going to keep him. It'll probably be barely inside the top 24, but I'm going to keep Deontay Foreman in the top 24 because the competition is going to be like Michael Carter, Clyde Edwards-Elair, the commander's backfield, A.J. Dillon, Caleb Huntley, Damian Harris. Running back, it's a a rough read this week. Uh, Let's put it that way. It's a real, real, real rough group this week. And even with the Chuba risk, I think we're going to keep Deontay Foreman in the top 24. Let's just talk about PJ Walker real quick. We're not in the official quarterback segment of the show. Maybe we won't even have an official quarterback segment anymore, guys. But PJ Walker, I saw a a stunning stat from the Athletics' Robert Mays, um, who the only only time all year a quarterback – so the stat was about Derek Carr. It was that he averaged .87 yards per air yards per completion in the Raiders' loss. 
Like, just a horrific number. Like, as bad as you'll ever see. Except for against the Rams, P.J. Walker averaged negative air yards per completion. It was and just per like, attempt, too. He just had yeah, negative yeah. air yards on the total. Even on the ones he was trying. Even on the ones he was trying to throw. He was not trying to throw deep at all. So, it's just shockingly bad production. A shockingly bad game plan from the Panthers. And then they just totally changed it up the past two weeks. They decided... Like, we're going to be bad. We're going to see what P.J. Walker has, whether we want to or not. Like, maybe, like, actually let him try to play quarterback a little. And then, like, two weeks after that game against the Rams, he had the longest, in terms of air yards, completion of the entire year on his Hail Mary to D.J. Moore, 67.6 yards in the air. And, yeah, it, it you you can term it a Hail Mary, but at Denny and I talked about Monday, like, it wasn't a Hail Mary. It was like a seed. It was just like a, a missile. It, it was – Patrick Mahomes tweeted that is the best throw this season. Yeah, I think it probably was. I ain't seen the, when you you know degree of difficulty, the situation. I don't know one better. <laughs> so he's averaged over eight yards per attempt each of the past two weeks. He's revived DJ Moore. He doesn't have only three touchdowns in the process. He has only one carry for twenty yards in the process. We've seen enough from PJ Walker to kind of put him in the streamer mix or against the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. Or is that still kind of getting ahead of ourselves? Is he still kind of like a bottom five option? You can't really think about streaming him yet. Two two quarterback leads, you would definitely uh go there with it. Bottom five, like ooh, I don't I don't know if I would go that far because you got guys out there like Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. Yes. Um Matthew, Davis Mills. Davis we, Mills. Man. We, still haven't, we haven't had a Sam Ellinger, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't go. But I wouldn't go as high as QB 12, which is what he's been the past two weeks. Obviously aided by that long throw. But, yeah, I would play it by the matchup. Well, This me- one mm, probably wouldn't be one of those matchups I would. Well, let's see, Lawrence. Let me do my favorite game. Um, P.J. Walker against the Cincinnati Bengals or Trevor Lawrence against the Las Vegas Raiders. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, oh, man, come on. Because uh, it's the Raiders. Look, look at them. I know, but I want a PJ Walker or Marcus Mariota against the Chargers. Mariota. He's a top 12 quarterback this year. Uh, we're now we're hearing now we're I heard I heard Kyle say PJ Walker. Now we're talking. Yeah. No, I no, I think Lawrence is right. I think Lawrence oh, is right. On, Sorry. He's right. Taylor Heineke against the Vikings or PJ Walker. Now we talking. <laughs> now we talking, baby. <laughs> Give me uh, PJ Walker. And I, I have one. I, Go ahead. I have a lot Lawrence. more faith in PJ Walker's Hail Mary throw than Tyler Heineke's last Hail Mary throw. He did his with his eyes closed. PJ Walker knew what he wanted to do. PJ Walker did know what he wanted to do. And <laughs> I wanted, I was going to end the segment, but this one is too good. PJ Walker or Matthew Stafford against the Bucks? PJ Walker. What has Matthew Stafford shown us? Zero ceiling. Like I, I never seen a quarterback like this after a Super Bowl. Uh, where, where, where is Matthew Stafford? He's right? had one multi-touchdown game through the air. He did have two touchdowns on Sunday. One was on the ground. He's thrown for more than one touchdown one time all season. Matthew Stafford. PJ Walker's done that in a few starts. Peej, right, Kyle? Peej or, or Matthew Stafford? PJ, let's do it. He's I just quarter. saw this throw too. I hadn't seen it yesterday. Oh man. 
This yeah. is beautiful. It's insane. Stanford I don't know if you guys watched the XFL. Four. He was like Mahomesian in the XFL. Like he was doing like sidearm, <laughs> no look stuff. And sure, it was against, you know, D3 corners who were tire salesmen a few weeks before the league started. <laughs> but it was awesome. And to see him uncork this one, it's pretty cool. We'll stick with PJ Walker and the Panthers theme because uh, DJ Moore has revived for 13 catches over the past week, two touchdowns over the past two weeks. There are six teams on by. Is it point chasey to get DJ Moore like back in the top 24, maybe even the top 20 guys? Or is that just kind of where we're at right now uh, with wide receiver? I thought you were going to say, is it point chasey to get him in the top 12? Like, I, I think. <laughs> okay, maybe. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. He has been hyper elite in terms of his usage in the past two weeks. He had like a 40% target share and a 50% air yard share two weeks ago. This week, 31% target share, 60% of this team's air yards. Obviously, that comes from the one Hail Mary, but you're not Hail Marrying it to Shai Smith or Terrace Marshall. Like when you're looking at passing for this team, you're going to DJ Moore and no one else. And that's what his target share and air yard share have shown in the past two weeks. Sands, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. And if we're betting on PJ Moore, even being just in, or if we're betting on uh, PJ Walker, being just in the Taylor Heineke type of Jimmy Garoppolo sort of tier of guys who can keep your team afloat. They don't have to be good, but they won't go out and like truly embarrass you like Zach Wilson, rest in peace. If if he's going to elevate them to top 24, DJ Moore being like, one of the league's premier alpha receivers, which is what he's been in the past two weeks, that will be good for like top 15 status. And for the Bengals this week, pretty big loss. Chidobe Wuse, torn ACL after the season, pretty key member of that Bengals defense, which had been having a really good year, especially in the second half, and took on some pretty heavy water against the Browns last night and now suffered an injury they couldn't really afford to suffer. And all I know, too, about the past two weeks is I don't want to see Baker Mayfield. I don't want to see Sam Darnold. I want the guy who can get DJ Moore the ball. Yeah, why would we? we were, his name is DJ Walker. Matter of fact, before this big game that he had, it was after it was after week seven. So it was we were still kind of eh, on DJ Moore, and and uh, our guy Matthew Berry asked me, DJ Moore or Drake London? I said DJ Moore, but with PJ Walker. He has to have, he got to be, it got to be with PJ Walker. It has to be PJ Walker. Straight up has to be PJ Walker. Yeah. So, yeah, man, we, DJ Moore, and I'm sure DJ Moore is, is with that too. He, Lauren, I cannot believe Lawrence is you would start Trevor Lawrence over PJ Walker. I'm honestly shaking. Who, who did you say is playing? The uh, Raiders. They're playing the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> They look like they're ready to pack. The first couple of games, the Raiders, I was like, uh, you know, they're barely losing games. Nah, they ain't good. No. <laughs> they no they, good. Their first five or maybe four losses were by like 14 combined yeah. points. I'm but, embarrassed to say that I thought that they would make a playoff push and would surprise people and not be the worst team in that division. They are the Worst team in that division, which is weird to say when you got the Broncos in there, but they're coming off a win. Say so don't say so don't don't throw in the towel on that one yet, though. The Broncos oh, can yeah. still come for that crown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe hey, maybe even the Chargers could come for the crown, man. They're so insane. No this was supposed to be like you know the the group of death, right? When you get the World Cup to come around, there's one group that clearly gets misseeded, <laughs> and it's all the best teams are there. And this was supposed to be that. This was supposed to be you know. Like the bad quarterback in this division was Derek Carr, a perfectly good quarterback. 
And three, at least two of these teams, if not three, are dreadful. By the way, you mentioned the World Cup. You may know the World Cup is on Fox. The World Cup in Spanish, though, is on Telemundo. Which uh, is the Sp- any of the Spanish uh, casting for the game is going to be better than whatever Fox has. The Spanish cast of literally any sport is better than any other cast. Yeah, so, uh, man, the World Cup going to be pretty sweet. Um, so really, really, really looking forward to that. Um, by the way, yeah, the Telemundo owned by NBC Universal. So all I'm saying is watch the World Cup in Spanish. <laughs> Uh, watch the World Cup in Spanish. Wide receiver, Lawrence Jackson, who are we having trouble ranking? Juju, because it's been Jekyll and Hyde. Now they're coming off the bye. Let's see if he could keep the momentum going. Two games of at least 110 receiving yards and a touchdown in each game. He looks like he's finally becoming that fourth round, I guess, or fifth round still that uh, we, we thought we were getting when we drafted him. So, you know, Obviously, you know, he was in the upper echelon fantasy receivers the past two weeks, not the case in the first five weeks. So, like, which one we going to get this game? And and that's kind of leaving me – that's leaving me puzzled on where to rank because should I go wide receiver 15, right? Or should it be wide receiver 24, 25? Because I feel like the range of outcomes is – it could be both of those. So it's weird with Juju Smith-Schuster. It was to the point where I was like apologizing for telling people he's going to be a wide receiver too. And now he's the and wide receiver. you were like, you idiots, I told you he was going to be a wide receiver. I know, I know. Yeah, gotta, so, yeah, gotta do that. It's a too late to victory lap it. Uh, where it was, it's only two games, but over the past three weeks, he's the wide receiver six by average PPR points. Back-to-back 100-yard games, as Lawrence kind of just laid out. And Kyle, I mean – what what is more real? Is he a wide receiver two? He's a wide receiver two this week with so many teams on by. But what what is like the Juju Smith Schuster baseline? Is is a wide receiver two or is a wide receiver three? Because it's probably not a hundred yards, obviously. Yeah. But what is more real, Juju? Because I, I agree with Lawrence. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I guess my concern is that maybe not this week. Don't know how much of Kadarius Tony we see. Totally healthy, by the way. Strange how that worked once you got a new team. <laughs> Uh, hey, I get it. I, I wouldn't. Sure. If, if the team is going to give me seven snaps uh, a week over playing behind David Sills, I'd also probably fake an injury. And the team is just going to be like super passive aggressive with me the entire time I was on their roster. Like, yeah, maybe just trade me to the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get it. I'm not going to fault him for being a little disappointed with his usage. And uh, we'll say, uh, you know, selling the injury a little bit. But I, this week, I don't know how much of him we see. You know, he's coming off not a short week, but he's just coming off of no offseason, no regular season with the team. Probably give him some small packages where he plays like, a, I don't know, play some of the Michael Hardman role. But in the long term, the reason they acquire him is specifically because the team has had for the past two years this depressed ADOT where they just let Patrick Mahomes quick hit his good receivers and then they get yards after the catch. Unlike where we saw in years prior, his ADOT is down like a yard or more compared to the past two years. Who is perfect for that? It's it's not Juju. And I love Juju, but two games is not enough to sell me on his ability to be this team's number one receiver. Where Kadarius Tony has shown nothing but in the NFL, when you get him the ball, he makes plays. And he gets open lightning quick as long as he's healthy. And he appears to be healthy now. So he's going to win in the same part of the field that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to do. But he is shown to be good at it outside of two games playing with a great Patrick Mahomes. He was doing it with Daniel Jones. He's playing better this year, but was not good last year. So his ability to win in the same part of the field, but at a higher 
better, more efficient clip than Juju has me concerned for the long-term outlook of Juju. I still think this week I'm going to definitely have him as a wide receiver too, but within one or two weeks, it really wouldn't shock me that if Kadarius Tony gets 70% of the snaps, that he is just better straight up at earning targets than Juju. What you're saying is this time it counts with Kadarius Tony. It's always counted when he's on the field. That has just been a number of times I can probably count. It's been shockingly infrequent. We we can say that. Um, It is. I mean, talk about like a wild card player for the stretch run of the season. The potential range of outcomes with Kadarius Tony is like truly wild. And you did a really good job outlining how it will affect Juju Smith Schuster. So we're all kind of coming at Juju from different angles. Probably all three of us agree though. Six teams on by, pretty safe wide yeah, receiver yeah. for this for this week. For, I, let's say, I was about to say for this week six, um, it's week nine. Kyle, who are you having trouble ranking in week nine? Uh, you said that to me, and I was like, oh, I've forgotten already. But I put it in my notes, Brandon Cooks. And the thing is, it's I mean, we, maybe we should we should issue a disclaimer real quick. He could be like on a different team by the time people listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, they've been pretty reticent to trade him. Shockingly, I mean, maybe they were trying out like see what we have with Davis Mills. And after seeing what they have with Davis Mills, they're like, all right, we've seen everything we need. We can now officially start the rebuild <laughs> and Cooks is gone. Uh, but for now on this team, they just have not used him as if he's clearly their best receiver since week two. He has a 20% target share. That's exactly where he fell last week. There was no Nico Collins last week. It was absurd for them to not pump him the ball more in the way that we see with DJ Moore. When all those players are gone, I get that this probably isn't the best run team, but they at least understand the fact that they have one talented player on offense and they get him the ball every single time. The Texans have two, Damian Pierce, who they're getting the ball, and Brandon Cooks, who they're not making a strong effort to. 20% target share isn't nothing, but he could push for 30-plus. And that's like what he did the first two weeks. And that's a player he's shown capable of being. But they're, I don't know, like you could also put plenty of the blame on Davis Mills. I'm guessing a good quarterback knows that he should throw not to Chris Moore more often, not to Philip (laughs) Dorsett as often as he did. Uh, So maybe that some of it is on him. I'm sure some of it's on offensive design. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. that would be a good good lesson to teach quarterback uh like listen david i know this guy's on the team but uh probably don't throw him so much right, so but it, it also could be that brandon cook's 29 years old maybe he's starting to push towards being more of i'm a sorry team. i thought you were gonna say davis mills was 29 and it sounded right he looked 29. <laughs> he's, he's got Brandon Weeden vibes. He does it. Sorry, Kyle. You were saying on finishing on Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of factors going on or a lot of reasons you could point to for his downturn in production. But, I mean, last week, I think he had 70 yards on the final drive and three yards for the first three quarters and change. Like, he only got there on two, I'm going to call them complete garbage time long catches. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I am really, like, it's a receiver who's not dominating targets for the Texans. Can I just rank him as a wide receiver four and move on? Yeah, Kyle, you're really, after all that energy you just expended on that segment, you're really hoping he doesn't get traded and people aren't just skipping over this segment. Um, it might be totally pointless. Once he time. gets traded, I'm just going to move him up five spots. No matter <laughs> yeah, where it is. I'm it's true. Where, it's hard to see where he'll get traded. It would be where his fantasy outlook would be that much different. Yeah, I guess my concern with the trade is that what if it's not Davis Mills' fault? Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Like, you can't say, like, oh, Davis Mills doesn't know to get his receiver the ball, but P.J. Walker, he's a seasoned veteran who knows. Like, there's (laughs) not that much difference between these two players. I am concerned that Brandon Cooks is just taking a step back. The fact that you're in a 20% target share playing with Philip Dorsett and Chris Moore, that is concerning, and it will be concerning when it follows him to wherever he is traded if that's the case. 
he Davis Mills won't be the Texans quarterback next season. I will say this. Brandon Cooks is the master of getting traded and going for a thousand yards. Like he, he gets traded everywhere. Now he's had the luxury of playing with Tom Brady, Drew Brees. He always get the best quarterbacks. And he uh, left out Jared Goff, man. Ideally, Jared Goff was nice back then. Hell, he, he all right now. He okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're talking when you compare Davis Mills to all of that, including Jared Goff, it's like, oh, man. But then it's hard to see where I see I see your point here, Kyle. He was successful last year with Davis Mills. So, yeah, man, we'll, we'll just have to see. But it's, I got him at mid-20s right now for the week. Yeah, same. And we'll we'll just see what happens. Um, I will I will say that if you're listening to the show and Brandon Cooks has not been traded, it is a massive failure by the Houston Texans. Um, almost literally, because they're done evaluating Davis Mills. Um, yeah, I can understand why if, if you're going nowhere, you keep Brandon Cooks just because you don't want the offense to go totally off the rails. You still want to have an environment where you can at least evaluate players. Who but on this I, team are they evaluating? Yeah, exactly. They've got the answer. So there's just there's no need. <laughs> no, no. Next guy down. No, not him. No. And did you just think guys. about this, right? At the end of last season, people were saying Davis Mills, Justin Fields. I know, man. That was going on. That was really going on. No, it's the, I wish you were joking, but you're not. And I will <laughs> say we got to give props to our coworker Rivers McCown, who I thought was like a little too hard on Davis Mills a lot. I'm like, I don't know, man. He played kind of, I think he actually played kind of well. And he was just like insistent, like it was all garbage time that no, he was indeed truly awful. And it looks like Rivers was right. It was also like one touchdown, no interceptions. Everyone's like, that's our Super Bowl. He didn't throw an interception. Like, I he know. didn't go out and like, be like that sometimes for some teams. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. Uh, we'll, we'll end briefly with tight end. We are running out of time. I don't know where to rank Evan Ingram. He's the tight end six by average points over the past three weeks. I was like kind of too high on him to begin the year. Then he got kind of stuck in like seven catch 53 yard zone, but that's enough to be a tight end one. Like, so he's a tight end one. I think we can say that. Is he like a top eight tight end one or is that getting way too ridiculous? I don't everyone's, hate that. I mean, everyone's like faces said, are frozen. They don't know what to say about to say to my, that one. My face is frozen. Cause I missed the name real quick. Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram folks. You're not missing out on much, Lawrence. Don't no, me. yeah, actually, you, you're probably better off just not listening to this part. <laughs> I got this. So now I'd have the same faces when we were just talking about TJ Hawkinson. When we're talking about these seven, eight guys, we hoping for touchdowns. Look at Tyler Conklin. He's back now. He's a stud. He's a stud now. He He's tight in six He's overall. Yeah. Um, he, he's – I would, you know – Again, oh, they got the Raiders this week, right? Fire them up. <laughs> there we go. Let me go adjust my rankings right now, actually. Get them at least in the top eight since we're talking top seven, eight. There we go. Lawrence, I mean, or excuse me, Kyle, yeah, top eight. That sounds fair for this week, you said. Yeah, that's totally fine. Everyone after two is a terrible play. So, so Tyler Higby is the jig up. He's bookended the Rams by with a two catch performance, a one catch performance, a bevy of drops, dropped a potential 62 yard touchdown on a third and two in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> this is comes out. Robinson is kind of revived. Can he remain a volume based tight end one? That volume has not been there the past two weeks. 
Are we dropping Tyler Higby out of the top 12? I don't know, man. Out of the top 12, once you hit 13 or 14, you are competing with the true dregs of football society. On the other hand, they have completely forced to split his snaps between blocking and actually playing, like receiving parts of the tight end job. As Denny would say, don't block, be worse at it. Fake some missed blocks in practice. Oh, he got by me. Oh, I just I'm holding all the time. You gotta you gotta lie about these things to boost your numbers. Because last week he played 63% of his snaps of his passing down snaps as an actual receiver running a route. That means of over a third or almost exactly a third of the time when the team is passing, he's just gonna be blocking. And for a team that is not passing efficiently, that is not able to move the ball, not putting him in red zone spots that often, like maybe because we have a lot of teams on by he still sneaks in that top 12 because Rams are at least a volume team and he's he was a volume player but really like if he's just spending a third of his time or more blocking that really is crushing his upside like Evan Ingram is not that special of a player and you'd easily take Evan Ingram over him yeah easily at this point and easily time to end the show question mark I think it's been since about 58 minutes and 33 four five seconds ago we gave it our all. I didn't think we'd make an hour today, but I also didn't think Chase Claypool would get traded in the middle of the show. And we didn't even get to talk about DeAndre Swift or Derek Carr, but it's not that we did talk about Derek Carr by another name and basically we're like, the Raiders are terrible. And Derek Carr, I'd say he's out of the QB1 mix. Fair. Fair. Easy money. Easy money. Easy money if you listen to the show, if you read our website. If you read Lawrence's Flex Finder, if you read Lawrence's Stock Up, Stock Down, if you read Kyle's 32 Stats article, if you read my Sunday Aftermath, if you read all of our blurbs on what is going to be a really, really busy week with trades coming down to the deadline Tuesday afternoon, um, listen to Kyle Lawrence's show before Thursday Night Football. Listen to our Week 9 preview show, which will drop Thursday evening. For Lawrence Jackson, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Doherty. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.